0: Describing those with the gift of service who see a need and meet it, here's Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: Yeah, we have this and we have this and we have, okay, it's done. But then that people with the gift of service actually take it one step further and they don't even wait to be told what to do. Their eyes are in tune for needs and they take care of them. I mean, it happens all the time. There'll be things that take place here and we'll come in and it might be on a list of things that we need to get done and we'll come in and, and I'll look around and I'll go, well... Who did that? It's already done. It's off our list. Who did it? Who I wanna know who did it? I don't know, Ed, somebody just came in. We don't know who did it.
0: This is a Someone has said, thinking is easy, acting is difficult, but to put one's thoughts into action is the most difficult thing in the world. But there are those who have this gift and it's a joy to them. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been looking at a list of gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12 and have come to the gift of service. Here now with today's message is Pastor Ed.
1: Well, many of you were just so encouraged because you found out that your gifting was prophecy. Now, that may not be your only gifting. You can have more than one gift and operate in more than one gift. And as you see the gifts outlined as we move forward, you're going to see that they overlap many times. And that you aren't just relegated to one little area, but that God has given some many spiritual gifts to be used in his body. To be used in this world to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so many of you last week, you're just like, yes, that's me. I see it. And as each gift is unfolded, you're going to learn even more that God has blessed His church with wonderful gifts. Because it really is encouraging for us to be reminded that we are God's workmanship. Paul writes in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. We're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not only are we created for these good works, but Paul goes on to say that they were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so that God wants to use your life. Christian, he wants to use your life. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Ed. No, now, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Does God want to use my life? Oh, yeah, he does. After you get saved. He wants to see your life changed. The the number one concern with those of you here today, God's concern for you, for those of you here today that would consider themselves separated from God or really not saved is that you be saved. And then all these wonderful giftings flow in the believer's life. They're additional gifts. God is just so wonderful. Not only does he give us the gift of salvation, but he gives us spiritual gifts that we might make a difference in people's lives and actually enjoy being a believer. It's incredible. And so, verse 6 chapter 12, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. Now just notice, I haven't brought this out yet, but I want you to see it. The words, let us use them, are in italics in your New King James Bibles, which means that they're not in the original manuscripts. These aren't original Greek words that are being translated. Instead, because they're in italics, the translators want us to know that they inserted them to help us understand the flow of the Greek because the flow of the original language is very matter-of-factly that since we have gifts, we're to use them. That's what he's trying to say. So they just throw those words in there, but they're really not there. But that's the flow of the original language. You got gifts, use them. And the emphasis is on both. You have gifts, use them. They're both equally emphasized, so you just want to jot that down. So we looked at prophecy. says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry. If you haven't already, circle that word ministry right next to it, service. Service, because that's what the word means. Ministry, service, to serve. He says, if you have this gift of ministry or service, well, let us use it in our ministering. Or you can swap the word, right? If you have the gift of service, then let us use it in our serving. And indeed, it is a spiritual gift. And then there are others, teaching, exhorting, leading, giving, mercy, all of these other gifts that are unfailed before us that we'll look at one by one. So this gift of service, this gift of ministry, it's a nonverbal gift. And we can define it by saying the gift of mercy is practicing the truth. Whereas the gift of prophecy was declaring the truth, the gift of service now is practicing the truth. It's the truth of God's word lived out in your life and mine with this gifting, practicing the truth. The Greek word diakonia, we get our English word deacon from it. And there's even been some confusion with the word deacon because it's often used as an office, as a position. But that's not the heart of this word at all. The word simply means to serve. Another definition could be to wait on. And that elicits a picture, doesn't it? A waiter or a waitress. They serve. That's what they do. They wait on the table. They wait on the needs. And when the need arises, they fill it. The idea of service. That's what they do. That's their desire. A person with the gift of service serves. That's all it means, to wait on. In the ancient days, during the time of Jesus, this Greek word was used to describe slaves who waited on tables and kept the water glasses full, and just to make sure the needs of the table were met. And so God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to serve and serve and serve and serve. That's what this gift is. There are just some that God has given to us that have this supernatural power and ability to keep on serving the needs of the flock. It just comes naturally. They hear of a need, they fill it. They see a need, they fill it. Their ears are always open. How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I be used? A person with the gift of service, a person with the gift of ministry often finds his or her joy in meeting the needs of others. It just makes you happy. You are so full of joy when you're able to be used to meet the needs of someone else. You just, you could say it this way, you just love to fill up the cups of the saints and keep them full. You just love doing that. There's this tremendous love and attachment to support people. Often people with the gift of ministry love practical things. They love mission trips. They love relief efforts. They they love to get their hands dirty. They like to fix things. They they like building projects. They like remodeling. There's often a lot of practical, hands-on types of things that people with the gift of ministry love to do. You love to knit things. You love to sew things. You You love to do things with your hands is often a characteristic. A person with the gift of service generally doesn't really like to be up front and center. It actually makes them very uncomfortable to be recognized and noticed. They usually, those with this gifting, usually prefer, if they have the choice, to be anonymous. I'm just going to do what I do. I don't want anybody to know. And and even when you try to thank them or you try to express some kind of appreciation to them, it makes them a little uncomfortable. It might be hard for people with the gift of ministry to accept appreciation and a thank you and a pat on the back because in your mind, you're just doing it under the Lord. Whether anybody recognizes you or not, you really don't care. Now, let's bring it down a little bit more home. Let's bring it down to if you're the person with the gift of ministry, here are the, some of the things to look out for in your life. You just love to help things run smoother. You just see bumps in the road. You have the eye. You have the eye to see how things aren't running the way, or I could do this better, or we can make this easier, and you can see how that manifestation of the gift of administration can come alongside this gifting of service and ministry just to help make things run smoother because you see that things could be done smoother and you love to see things just a little bit more along the lines of not as bumpy as things might appear you Well, you experience great joy if you have this gift when you hear of how a project was a blessing. For instance, I'll give you a good example. Let's just say that um, during the service here, right before service, we did a big slideshow of all the things that were going on in the Philippine mission trip or the Iowa trip, but you have the gift of service and you weren't able to go but you happen to have done a lot of the legwork, all the background stuff, all the things that were going on. And, and as you're watching that, you're just so excited. You're just so, it just blesses you. Oh, to hear the fruit, to see how that happened and to watch the smiles. What's not happening in your heart if you have the gift of service is, where's my picture? Why didn't they take a picture of me at the computer doing all the work for this trip? You know, that trip wouldn't really happen without me. How come nobody wants me? That should be me up there. Why is it my picture? No, that's not you. Because your joy comes just knowing that you were used and your gifting and talents were used and you might have been on the computer till three in the morning, but you were doing that under the Lord. You don't care if anybody knows. As a matter of fact, you probably prefer that nobody knows because that's just what you do. You just take great joy when a project goes well. You take great joy when things are going on and you don't want to take the credit. You don't want the attention. If you have the gift of ministry or service. You love to work with your hands. You get a thrill out of helping others, and you don't really care what it is. You just like to work. You like to serve, and it makes you happy to help. I mean, really, often people with the gift of ministry or service will say something like this. Just tell me what you want to be done, and I'll do it. Just tell me. Just tell me what you want done. As a matter of fact, it gets even better, because I love people. Do you have anything that, yeah, we have this, and we have this, and we have, okay, it's done. And you just, you know, you're going to take care of it. But then the people with the gift of service actually take it one step further, and they don't even wait to be told what to do. Their eyes are in tune for needs, and they take care of them. I mean, it happens all the time. There'll be things that take place here, and we'll come in, and, and it might be on a list of things that we need to get done, and we'll come in, and, and I'll look around, and I'll go, well, who did that? It's already done. It's off our list. Who did it? Who, I want to know who did it. Well, I don't know, Ed. Somebody just came in. We don't know who did it. It was a shadow. They came in, you know? <laughs> We don't know it just got done i'll tell you what it got done by someone with the gift of ministry we don't know who it was but it got done i mean just trash gets picked up the lawn gets cut the vacuuming the you know you're you're just in that place where you know somebody cleaned out the bathroom somebody cleaned the toilets why because they have this gifting of service and ministry and it's so neat because people don't even wait to take care of things they just take care of them they don't wait to be told just after seeing a need, they immediately jump in to fill it. And sometimes, I mean, really, when something gets done, people just look around and don't even know who did it. They're just like, wow, praise God that he's touched somebody. Because we were praying about this. So we were praying about it on the one hand, and the answer to our prayer was sent to a person with the gift of ministry, and they just took care of it. And there was never even a connection. God just took care of it for us through his spirit. Now, if you have the gift of service, you can look for these characteristics in your life as well. You see things in your mind, and you're a good planner. I mean, you're able to juggle a lot of things in your mind. Like, we don't understand you, but you understand it, right? You can see it all unfold. You can see this and this, and i got to do this and this, and I want to put this together. And you're just able to do, it seems like, a thousand things at the same time because God's gifted you to get things done. That's just your gifting. you just in your mind. You know, all of us... We've got to carry blackberries and blueberries and green berries and all these other things to help us. But for you, it's just all in your mind. You can see it going. You already see. If I do this, I need to be done over here, and I've got to do this. And you're like, oh, thank God for people like you. You're so valuable to the body of Jesus Christ. But you can look for that in your life. It seems like you can juggle a lot of things in your head. Here's another thing I love about this gifting. Those of you that are gifted with the gift of ministry, listen, you tend to finish what you start. And that's your reputation. You actually finish the things that you start. You may start five things at the same time, but we know you're going to finish them. You're not the kind of person that starts something, oh, didn't finish. Start something, didn't finish. Start something. That's not your reputation. Your reputation is even though you might have to start a few things at the same time, you finish them. And I bet if we went to your garage, it's clean. <laughs> or it will be very soon now that I've mentioned it. <laughs> That's just how you are. You love to finish things, and that's your reputation. People, we actually rely on you for things because we know you'll finish it because that's your gifting. That's just who you are. We love that about you. Well, because you like to do a lot of things and because you see a lot of things, we're kind of delving into some of the hazards of this gift, but we'll get to that later on in the study. But because you do a lot of things, you can juggle a lot of things, you probably have a hard time saying no, and you take on a lot of stuff. And you just got to watch out for that. You have a hard time saying no. And because you have a hard time saying no, it really, really begins to frustrate you and all sorts of things happen. I mean, because you have a hard time saying no, there's even the possibility that you're usually more interested in meeting the needs of others even if it meant that you're not meeting your own needs. And that's a danger you want to watch out for. There always should be a balance where you're meeting the needs of others but you're also meeting your own needs to being faithful in what God has given to you. And so you spend so much time paying attention to other people's needs that you neglect your own and it's not an either or. You need to do both with this gifting. Pay attention to your own needs and also pay attention to the needs of the saints and to those that are around you. But you really do get joy out of helping someone else's ministry grow. You really do get joy of knowing that your work behind the scenes has caused another ministry to become fruitful and and expand and touch more and more people. And, And inside, when your prayer time's with the Lord, you're just so encouraged that God would use you that way. And let me just say this. Those of you gifted with this gifting, watching those of you with this gift, just serve and serve and serve is such a joy. It's so appreciated. I know a lot of what you do is behind the scenes, and I know a lot of what you do is probably not even known. But let me just say this. Your Father in heaven will reward you openly for the service that you offer to him. Even if another man or woman ever sees what you do, you do it unto the Lord. Amen? So thank you for that gift. Now, how does it look like in Jesus' life? Mark chapter 10, flip over. How does this gift manifest through the life of Jesus? I just want to make sure, you guys all start with me, because when I said amen, there was one guy who said amen. So is anyone here? You guys all here? All right, just want to check in. <laughs> Look at Mark chapter 10. How did this life manifest itself through Jesus? Well, remember the disciples, their problem Their problem was always wanting to be the best. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be Jesus' right-hand man? Who's going to be the supervisor? Who's going to be the one that serves with Jesus and gets all the recognition? So they're always arguing about it. They're just not getting it. I love Jesus, so patient with them, but he takes these times to teach them. And we pick up in verse 43 of Mark chapter 10, addressing this constant bickering and argument about who's going to be the greatest. And he answers it. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. And I started there on purpose because we want to ask, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean? What's not to be so among us? Well, in the earlier verse, he talked about how the Gentiles or how the unbelievers would rule in the world. They would lord it over people, take advantage of people, and try to use the position and power that they had in life for their own advantage. And Jesus says, you see how the world does things? Listen, in my kingdom, it doesn't work that way. And that's the point that he's making. It's a whole different ballgame as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's no longer taking advantage of people, but rather serving people. And so he says, he says, you shall not, it shouldn't be that way among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. So that's great. Okay, you want to be great? Serve. You want to be super great? Then super serve. I mean, you want to be really the right-hand guy? Then be the right-hand servant. But he doesn't stop. Notice verse 44. And... case you didn't understand, whoever of you desires to be the first shall be the slave of all. I mean, he uses a very crude picture, a low position in life to say this is the heart and attitude of those that want to be great. You want to be great? Then be a servant. Just serve. Serve without any expectation. You want to be great? Is that really, you really want to be great? Yeah, do you, I mean, that's the question to you right now. You really want to be great? you really want to be used, then serve. Be a servant. Don't say you're a servant. Be a servant. Don't talk about servanthood. Don't teach us about servanthood. Do it. Step out and serve. And He isn't in there. Notice, he says, okay, you want an example? Here it is, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, Jesus is, did not come to be served. And I think a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors have gotten caught up in this thinking that the congregation is there to serve them, to take care of them, to make sure all their needs are filled, to take advantage of them for some. And that's not the way at all. The pastors, the leaders of this fellowship are to be the chief servants. Because the more responsibility you have in the body of Christ, the more that's required of you. You're not here to be taken advantage of. You're here to be loved on and cared for and pointed to Jesus Christ. We're to be the chief servants. You don't grow out of servanthood. You don't promote. You know, I got a promotion, not a servant anymore. No, any promotion in God's church is a promotion to greater servanthood. And even the word promotion, we get the idea of moving up. In God's church, promotion's moving down. The way up in God's kingdom is down. Down. And until you get that, you're going to be a frustrated believer. Because the church of Jesus Christ is not like the world. The church is to be filled with servants, not only serving one another as believers, but serving this world. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. But rather, notice, he came to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Now that might be a difficult picture for us, because very, very few of us, if any, are facing crucifixion. I mean, I know things are getting tough in our nation for sure. Persecution of the church right now is happening in the political realm, but don't think it's not going to come in the doors pretty soon here. As the world tries to clamp down on the gospel. Listen, let me just encourage you. hear all the junk that's happening in the church and all the dumb laws that are being passed to try to hinder the church. Listen, you study church history very carefully and you'll find one thing. Every time the church was under fire, it exploded. Every time the world tried to put their thumb on the church and press it into non-existence, it thrives. And so you don't need to be afraid of persecution. You need to be ready to persevere, to steady on, to not give up. So I don't know that any of us in our lifetime are going to face crucifixion, and so we're like, well, I really can't serve like Jesus because I don't think I'm going to be crucified. I can understand that conclusion. But the whole entirety of Jesus' life was one of servanthood. And let me just give you one picture of the footsteps of Jesus that you and I can follow in. It's found in John chapter 13. Would you turn there with me? Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Don't miss that. Jesus knows that everything's been given into his hands. That's some power. <laughs> That's authority. He already knows it. He knows that he had come from God and was going to God. Verse 4 says, He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Jesus washed the feet of the disciple. Let me just say The feet of the disciples were disgustingly dirty, nasty, and rank. They were.
0: It's certainly counterintuitive and even shocking to think that Jesus would take such a lowly position, but he did. We'll hear more about it and the gift of ministry next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In addition to listening to us on the radio, there are a few other ways to access these teachings. You can go to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Download that from the App Store or Google Play by searching for Calvary Aurora. We're also on OnePlace.com. Pastor Ed, with all that we've been through with COVID-19, some of our listeners may be wondering, how are things going financially here at Abounding Grace? Would you take a moment to address that and how our listeners can get involved if they feel
1: led by the Lord? I have to say that the finances of Abounding Grace, while they have been steady, are down, uh, as are the finances of our Grace FM and our church, they're down, and uh, understandably so. As so many, millions upon millions are unemployed, others are underemployed, others are furloughed, others are behind on bills and catching up, and there's some financial challenges. And, And here's what I've been telling our church. Number one, thank you for those that are continuing to give faithfully. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for those that are in a position. I want to personally thank you for those that are in a position where you can give, where there's still increase in your life. And for those that can't give, those that might have lost their job or those that are have less of an income now or, or just have to make some challenging decisions, don't feel guilty or don't take an added burden on your shoulder. God will provide for our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He'll always provide. Where God guides, he provides. And I know that many of you, you want to give, but you can't uh, and and don't allow any guilt or condemnation to come in that way. But I would say this, when you're in a position to give again, we, we would appreciate it. All of the resources go to keeping Abounding Grace produced on the air, around the country, around the world. We invest a lot of resources in technology so that we remain online and we're on places like oneplace.com and we have live streams and all of that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, for your prayer, And especially for those that are in a position to give, thank you. For those that are not in a position to give, thank you. Be faithful unto the Lord. He'll lead you, and He'll guide you. And not only will He take care of our needs, but I'm encouraged that He will take care of your needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. So thank you very much. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend,
0: again, to make a secure donation, just visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. And thank you for whatever God leads you to do. We're really excited about this month's offer in light of the times we're living in. How close are we to the time of the end that the Bible speaks of? In 25 Signs, We Are Near the End, Don Stewart examines the scripture, unveiling what it has to say about coming events and the end. Many Christians avoid books like Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation because they find it difficult to understand. But Don Stewart will present it in an easy-to-understand way. It's our pick of the month, available for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We ask that you call us at 877-30-GRACE. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back tomorrow when we'll return to Romans on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace.